Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray. And folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that won't embarrass you on Monday morning, and if you've been following the financial news this year, you know what I'm talking about uh, with bank failures and what have you. Uh, Renaissance uh, has a rock-solid balance sheet, and they uh, are extremely well-managed. And one of the other characteristics of that management quality is the fact that they handle their clients in a very personal way. I know that from my own dealings with them, and I think you'll find that out too if you're looking for that. And most people that are looking for a great bank are looking for that. So go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call, and I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome David Dorier. David is with Present Your Way to Success. David, welcome. Thank you, John. This is a pleasure to be here today. I've been following you for quite some time, and we've known each other from the Alpharetta, uh, the the North Fulton Chamber. Yeah, it's been a while. And um, uh, I, I was, as I was saying before we came on the air, you did something great. So it made me think I need to have David in here and, and I can get some pointers on presentations and, uh, uh, and while you tell everyone about what you do, but, uh, giving it away, let's get, give everyone an introduction to what you do. Well, I wish I could remember what it is that I said that prompted you to invite me here because if, uh, if I need to do it again to get more invitations to other shows and podcasts and so on. So a little bit about me, I've got quite a diverse background. Mm-hmm. I grew up up on Long Island, New York, and after high school, I went into the military, was in the Air Force for a total of 28 years, 10 mm. years active duty and 18 years in the reserves. Mm. And through my travels in the military, one of the things that I had always dreamt about was getting into radio broadcasting. And I had that opportunity when I was still active duty on Guam, yeah. working for an AM radio station. And then that's why I came off active duty was to pursue my fame and fortune and radio broadcasting found some of the fame, but none of the fortune. So thank goodness the reserves offered me a full-time job to be an instructor. And that's what got me here originally to Atlanta, Georgia at Dobbins Air Force Base in 1995. Oh, wow. And that's when I started learning the craft of designing training, delivering training on a daily basis. I was a subject matter expert because I was training my career field, air mm-hmm. transportation, loading anything and everything you can think of on military and civilian aircraft, passenger mm-hmm. and cargo aircraft. And I love working around planes. I, I just love the smell of jet fuel. And that started my career in training and development, left mm-hmm. the Air Force uh, in 2004, was working for civilian companies, designing training, continuing that. It's been 30 years in the career field. And along the way, started training 
subject matter experts within the organization to be trainers Mm. and to be better facilitators or maybe working with the upper echelon of the company to be better presenters or to to be able to present at a workshop or a conference or a breakout session or so on and found that I really loved it. And I should also say I've been part of Toastmasters for 30 years and mentoring a lot of people with their presentation skills. So long story short, I have been working on this business for six years, and now it is my full-time business of working with subject matter experts and helping them to be better at engaging their audiences. Yeah, the, the, I love this topic because it's it's a one where uh, people don't really know whether they're a good presenter or not, do they? No, being a, and you know, how, how do you gently say this, that uh, it, 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 being a subject matter expert is great. Be, yeah. Knowing your material, knowing your craft is one thing, but that doesn't automatically qualify someone to be a great presenter. In many cases, if someone doesn't understand the foundational skills of speaking, many times these subject matter experts can easily overwhelm their audience Mm -hmm. with a lot of information that the audience doesn't need. So having a basic understanding of presentation skills is extremely important. Yeah, for sure. And, and it works the other way too. I mean, I'm sure you've found folks that are better presenters than they think they are. And they may sabotage themselves a little bit, right? Because of lack of confidence or whatever. Exactly. So what you're, I think what you're talking about is that they they get up in front of an audience and that the audience is able to sense that insecurity or right. the, the, the fear of being up there. Sure, the audience is going to see that and that's going to, uh, it's all about credibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of ways to demonstrate that credibility to your audience, knowing your subject material and stage presence is going to to contribute to credibility. Now, when you work with clients, David, you, you talk about, uh, a concept called adult learning theory. Yes. Explain what that's all about. That's a great question. So this comes from my years of training trainers to train the adult learning theory. How do adults learn? How do adults retain information? And the more that I was using these processes, there's, or principles, there are eight principles that the more that I was using these principles, the more that I saw that any speaker can benefit from this, a a salesperson, uh, someone who's doing a keynote, or if you're mentoring one-on-one, you can can use these principles. The, The bottom line is it's all about how best to engage your adult audience so they can retain the information and remember it. Mm -hmm. And, and so what are, what are some of the principles that are important for presenters to understand about adult learning theory that maybe they don't implement or think about as they prepare their presentations? Well, that's another great question there. uh, I'll I'll talk about I'll talk about, well, I'll start off with one and we'll see how much more time we have. Yeah, let's go. So one of them is uh, the principle of ownership. And this is about getting your audience to take ownership in, and I'll use the term learning or Mm -hmm. listening to the content. So the only way that your audience is going to take ownership is that the presenter or the facilitator needs to create an opening or an introduction that's going to say to the audience, the the audience now says, yes, I want to listen. Yes, there's enough that's just been said to me that now has made me want to lean in and want to learn more. 
Many times speakers will open up with all about themselves. I, 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 I. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in there that says why I should listen. Well, all of those things are great about you, but how does that benefit me? Right. So the, the, the principle of ownership, the audience is saying, is looking for the with them. What's in it for me? And if the audience doesn't understand what's in it for them, if they don't see the value, then they're not going to take ownership to listen. So that's that would be one of the key points. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And what that also means is, um, you mean I don't tell a joke when I start out a presentation? Is that it, that, that, that doesn't mean that at all. It, 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 I mean, a lot of people start out, and that's a risky thing, right? Uh, jokes are risky. You know, I, I give the example that one day for, in training, for example, you can you could you could be training all day and your audience is just rolling on the floor all day long <laughs> with what you, whatever you've said. The next day you try exactly the same thing. They're calling HR on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're not invited back to, exactly. to say the least. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what, what, let's talk about another principle and then I want to get uh, change tax here, but another principle of adult learning theory that's really important. The next one would be principle of complexity. Mm -hmm. And this is all about understanding your audience. And when I was at North Fulton, Mm -hmm. we had the speakers would get up and Mm -hmm. I would be in the back of the room and I would be taking notes. Mm. And at the end of the meeting, I would ask the presenter, I'd say, can I give you my feedback? And every time there were usually three things that came up in my in my evaluation and one of them was the number one was knowing your audience can you think of times where people were getting up and presenting to the audience let's use the north fulton as an example that they were talking over your head or they were talking to you as if we were prospects or they were talking to us as if we all were experts in that field mm. So the principle of complexity is dealing with, number one, understanding your audience. And I like to use the visual of a swimming pool, that you have the deep end of the swimming pool and you have the shallow end of the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And the, the folks who, the speakers who I feel start talking over your heads or start using a very complex information, those are the ones that have, they, they have dove into the deep end of the pool. Mm. And now they're starting to drown all of the participants, where the participants, because of their current knowledge of the subject material, they're all down there at the shallow end of the pool. Mm. So the speaker has to understand where are those folks in that swimming pool and then meet them where they're at and then slowly bring them with the speaker to that deep end of the pool or wherever the objective is with that presentation. So... uh if if I'm making a presentation to an audience where I really don't know where they are in the pool, right? Or I may know that, but I know that I've got quite a wide mix in that audience, right? So how do I pr- a- approach that audience at that given those circumstances? Okay, let's start with the, the 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 audience that you don't know where they are in the swimming pool. Okay, and one of the ways that you can you can gauge that is by asking some some probing questions or polling questions at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You can't see me. The audience can't see me raising my hand right Right. now, but I would raise my hand and say, how many people here have a fear of speaking in public? 
And so now I can gauge my audience and Mm -hmm. see how many people have a fear of speaking in public or whatever that relevant question is to your audience. You can also follow up with that question. How many people have the fear? I could follow up. Well, Ray, tell me a little bit about that fear Mm -hmm. that you have. What happens when you get up in front of an audience? So you can follow that up. So now I'm doing a couple of things. One is I'm engaging my audience. Mm -hmm. My audience is doing something. Mm -hmm. They're raising their hand. They're thinking. They've responded. And also now I have a better understanding of my audience. And now I can gauge where they are in that swimming pool. The other ways that you can do that is beforehand by asking the the person who has booked you for the event and ask them some questions about the audience and understand where they are in the pool. So now your second question is, let's say your audience is in, uh, they're, they're spread out. You've got people at the deep end of the pool. Now let me explain, uh, l- let's define the deep end of the pool. Yeah. You have people that there are two types of experts. Mm-hmm. There is the expert and there's the person who thinks they're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So you have to define what type of expert they are. <laughs> right. A, a real expert or a faux expert, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you have that, and, and, it, and many times it's going to happen, you've got that audience that is spread out and mm-hmm. you have some of the folks that haven't even put on their swimming trunks yet. So, <laughs> That's right. So, so, so you have that spread. So what? there's a couple of ways you can deal with that. And one is you don't want to talk down to the experts. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you don't want to overwhelm your, your audience that's at the shallow end of the pool as well. If it's a training session, you can, you can use some of those experts to help you with the, through the curriculum. You can say, Ray, I know you're an expert in this area. Tell us a little bit of the way that you've used this process. How mm. have you dealt through this through this uh, uh, problem of some sort. So I can use that expertise that you have. If it is a keynote speech of some sort, now uh, analogies, stories of uh, relevant stories would be the way that I would suggest of dealing with that wide range. Mm. Uh, Wow. Uh, So many questions I could ask you. We might be here a while. (laughs) David Dorier is with us, folks. He is the owner of Present Your Way to Success. I want to shift gears just a second, just talk about the whole idea of of developing your skills as a presenter. Um, I can hear a lot of small business owners that are hearing this discussion thinking, you know what, I rarely am I going to be called to present. Why do I need to worry about that. Well, we're presenting every day. You, you don't have to be in front of a large audience or a, a medium-sized audience to say, I'm a presenter. Mm-hmm. Being in front of one customer, you are presenting. In front of a prospect, you're presenting. Hi, if you hire someone and now you have to mentor that individual, you're presenting. Mm-hmm. You're also using training skills, but there's many similarities I have found between training and selling and presenting. <laughs> it's all the same thing. And as a trainer, I want, I want my message to stick. I want it to resonate. I want it to be engaging to my audience and sales would be the same thing. So mm-hmm. we're presenting every day. I'm presenting right now to you. I'm mm-hmm. making sure I'm not, um, 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 <laughs> umming through here and, 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 now I'm, I'm my record's stuck now on the end. So we're presenting every day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
I think a lot of people think they have to be as good as David when it comes to presenting and talk to those individuals about the difference between, um, being as proficient as you are and simply being who they are. That's a great question. Uh, in any situation, uh, every speaker, you need to be you. Mm. And there are just foundational skills. I call the ABCs of speaking in public. And all of us are going to come across in our own unique way when we communicate to our audience. The ABCs are A is first understanding your agenda of who am I talking to, what am I going to talk about, where am I talking, who, what, where, when, why, and how. Mm -hmm. There are a zillion questions that need to be answered even before that speaker gets up to present, whatever format it is. Because the more that you're able to answer all of those who, what, where, when, why, and how questions, now you get rid of those question marks in your head, and you now don't have to focus on any of that stuff mm. and have that anxiety around any of the agenda items. Mm. The B is for beliefs. This is where a lot of people kill themselves. Or not, I shouldn't say kill themselves. They, they, uh, they, uh, they, they. They set themselves up for failure. Mm. Is that the A and the B and the C are very important, but I seem I think the B is just a little a notch higher. Right. And, and these are the beliefs. I believe I'm sure we've all heard that person, oh, I can't do this. I can't get up in front of an audience. Mm. There is no way that I can give that presentation. Now they've set themselves up for failure. Now they have all of that anxiety. Well, one of the tricks around it is number one, your audience wants you to be successful. And if there, no matter what size room there is, there's only one person in that room that feels that this speech is going to fail. Can you guess who that person is? <laughs> Every, yeah. Everybody else wants it, wants it to be successful. Being nervous is normal. Right. Everybody gets nervous. It's learning how to use that nervousness or reframe that nervousness to say, I'm excited. I am excited to give this presentation, to share this information to my audience. So the agenda, the ABCs, foundational skills, the agenda, beliefs, and there are five core communication skills. Matter of fact, that's my topic on my LinkedIn today is okay. talking about the ABCs. So there are five core communication skills. Number one is listening. Mm -hmm. Is not, not only listening to your audience with your ears, but listening with your eyes to your audience and, and understanding how are they receiving this information information, vocal variety, breathing, uh, also nonverbal communication. And, uh, uh, did I say eye contact already and eye contact? Yeah. Well, well, you were talking about, uh, scanning your audience to see how they react. Right. And I wanted to go there, um, in terms of audience engagement and how, how you're, you're in the middle of your presentation. How, how do you assess audience interest and engagement? What a great question. So it's sometimes it's, it's not as easy as certainly looking at their faces, seeing the smiles, seeing them looking at you, not on their telephones, not writing something certainly is one way to gauge that. But I would also say that it's that, uh, Great question. So it also depends on the type of, of presentation that you're giving. So mm -hmm. if you're giving a keynote speech, for example, the only interaction that you have with them is 
you're, if you're asking questions, it's more rhetorical questions. Mm-hmm. And then it would be hearing the responses mm-hmm. from the audience. Mm-hmm. But I should say that engagement has to start right from the very beginning of the presentation. I like to use an, I like to use an analogy that came from uh, Siskel and Ebert. Remember Siskel? Oh yeah, absolutely. Gene Siskel. uh, No, Roger Ebert. Yeah. Roger Ebert said this many years ago on their program when they would would were reviewing the movies, Mm -hmm. and he was giving an analogy about a movie musical or even a Broadway musical. That when a musical, if you were to watch a musical within the first couple of minutes you would understand that this is a musical because you're you're going to hear a musical number. You're going to see some sort of a dance routine or something that's going to tell you that, oops, yep, this is a musical. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be watching a drama, for example, and then halfway through the drama, you start, people are breaking out in song <laughs> and dance. Right. It's very odd. Right. I use that same analogy when it comes to engaging your audience. Mm. I have seen people where, They'll start a presentation. They'll go halfway through that presentation, and then finally they'll ask an engaging question mm. or an engaging story of some sort, and then wonder why didn't people react? Why didn't they they uh, they, they respond to that question? And one of the reasons is it it threw them off. It's all the, the, sure. It's just like that drama where in the middle, people break out in song and dance. So if you want to create engagement, it's got to start immediately with your presentation and be consistent throughout. On the subject of asking questions, that can be dangerous, can it not? Depending on the question you're asking. I mean, for here's a great example. Um, um, it's just because of a little fact, a useless fact I happen to know. Half the people in this country don't go to the dentist regularly. So if you if you're if you're a uh, in an audience, you say, you know, how many of you go to the dentist regularly? I mean, everybody's going to raise their hand, right? I mean, so so even though half of half of them statistically don't, so you haven't really gained any information, or you you're asking something that for some people is embarrassing. They don't want to answer, right? So how do you know the right questions to ask when you ask these questions to your audience? Okay. I love this. I love the question about questions. Yeah. Let's start off with how do you ask a question correctly? Mm -hmm. There's a correct way and there's a wrong way of asking a question. The question that you asked would be correct. How many people here have gone to the, go to the dentist regularly? Mm -hmm. And that's a good polling question. Maybe one way to change that would be how many people have gone to the dentist within the past three months, Mm. something like that Mm -hmm. now or past six months. Mm -hmm. And now the people that don't raise their hands, so they're not, yes, I go to the dent. Maybe I don't go to the dentist, but I just haven't been there in the past six months. Right. Right. It may be six years, but uh, exactly. yeah, they don't have to admit that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the right way and wrong way to ask a question, and I usually ask people this, will be what is, the, uh, what is the one question or the one type of question that a facilitator should never ask? Let me ask you that, uh, John. Is What would be the one type mm. of question that a facilitator should never ask? Oh, boy. I could think of several. Okay. Um, um, and there's no wrong answers here. Okay. The, the, any, any kind of question that, um, well, any kind of question that, that people don't want to publicly disclose the answer. 
Okay, well, that's a good response. Yeah. That's a good response. Uh, maybe I need to find a better way of asking this question. Okay. And, and what I'm looking for is, here is that the one type of question that people should not ask is a closed-ended question. Oh, like, like, like a yes or no. A, a yes or no. Got it. But at times it does work if you're doing a poll mm-hmm. type of thing. How many times have you been in an audience where the, the facilitator will ask, are there any questions? Nine times out of ten, they're done. There's no questions. Right. So the question that needs to be asked, it needs to be asked in a way that is a, an open-ended question mm. where based on what we've talked about today, we talked about the top three things that people should remember, know your audience, incorporate stories, and have a good closure. What questions do you have about any one of those three things? Or what questions do you have about knowing your audience, for mm-hmm. example? So asking a very specific question. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I want to shift gears as we uh, come down toward the close of our interview. And I would, I, we, we need to have part two of this, maybe part three. But um, uh, let, let's talk about what are the symptoms I need to look for in myself to know that I need to call you and get your help. Well, one is your audience isn't responding the way you would hope they would respond. Mm-hmm. You're not getting the the phone to ring off the hook. I'm not a sales coach. However, if, if your objective, a lot of it depends on what is your objective. Let's mm-hmm. say that your objective is that you're going to speak to this audience and the objective is that you want everybody to pick up that phone and give you a call because you're looking for new clients. And every time you're going out, nothing's happening. Mm. So that would be one indication that maybe your current presentation needs needs to be refreshed or tuned up. And one of the things that I bring to my clients are my, is my third eye. And and I, I have a coach because I need that third eye because sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times I'm too close to it mm-hmm. and I miss a lot of stuff. I'm great at helping other people, mm-hmm. but I'm horrible at helping myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I want you to give some specific advice since this is a subject near and dear to my heart. People that are on a podcast and how to best showcase themselves as a guest on a podcast? Uh, Great question. Well, number one is what I feel, and it's also the same that I also encourage people when they create a presentation. It's not about me. It's about what is it that I can bring to my audience? What benefit do I do? Can I bring to my audience? What can my audience learn from my past mistakes or my my career. It's not about me. It's about what I can do for others. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that. Um, and you said something else, if I if I may, that I think is great advice too in this situation about bringing your thinking about your nervousness as excitement as opposed to being anxious or nervous. Right? Yes. I love that advice. Great advice. Um. I'll use that. Good. <laughs> um, so let, let's let's talk about a success story, David. Uh, you've consulted with a lot of different people, a lot of different industries and backgrounds and situations. Talk about one of those that best highlights the great work you do. Well, there's quite a few of them. The one that immediately jumps to mind is is a recent success story. And I was working with a gentleman who was promoted from vice president of an organization to the president of one of the divisions within the organization. 
and he found me on LinkedIn and said that he needs some help working through his anxieties. He's got a big presentation that's coming up, which just happened this past week, and we worked together through several sessions of fine-tuning his presentation as well as talking about stage presence. And he had the presentation last week and he called me just the other day and said that things went so much better than he had expected. And it was all about just reframing his mindset, Mm. looking at it as excitement. You know, we do a really good job of tearing ourselves apart. Yeah, I have been presenting or training people from moms who want to do better at the PTA to presidents of organizations. And sometimes those people are in one room where I'm working with them and I'll I'll get them up speaking as quickly as possible. And as soon as they finish speaking, the first question is, how did you feel? Many of them will say, well, I felt this negative thing. I felt that negative thing, nervousness, what have you. And then I'll ask the audience, did any of you see any, any of that? 9.999 9.999 times out of 10, the audience never sees it. Mm. So we do a really good job of tearing ourselves apart. Right. This particular gentleman, he had a lot of stuff going for him. He looked great on stage, very athletic, had a great voice, but inside he was doing a great job of tearing himself apart. Mm. Wow. Great story. Um, David Dorier is with us, folks. He is the owner of Present Your Way to Success. Wow. Uh, I wish we could go on, David, and we're going to have you back. But uh, in the meantime, let's give folks coordinates on how to find you if they'd like to know more and maybe engage your services. Well, that'd be great. So there's yeah. two great ways to find me. One is through my website, presentyourwaytosuccess.com. And the other is through LinkedIn. I'm posting just about on a daily basis tips and tricks about everything and anything with presentation skills. Today, for example, it's all about the ABCs of speaking in public, agenda, beliefs, and the five core communication skills. So LinkedIn and presentyourwaytosuccess.com. Terrific. David Dorier, folks, uh, with Present Your Way to Success. David, this has been a lot of fun and very informative. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. If you've got uh, some anxiety, speaking of anxiety, around your back office, you need help with administrative tasks or bookkeeping, uh, maybe uh, workshops or that presentation that needs to be prepared, um, you need somebody else to help you with that. Well, the folks at Office Angels can help you. They do great work, and I know that myself because I use their services. 678 528 to reach out and call them and explain what your problem is and they will match you up with an angel who has the talent and experience necessary to handle the work that you need done Um, they've been in the business now for 25 years and they do fantastic work and again i use their services so give them a call or go to officeangels.us to learn more and let them know that we sent you when you go get in touch And folks, uh, later this year, I've got a book coming out. It's called The Price and Value Journey, Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices Using the Generosity Mindset Method. Um, If you want to know more about that, receive updates on uh, that book. It's pricevaluejourney.com to learn more and also find uh, the show archive for the podcast of the same name. Uh, 
And I want to thank you, our audience. We're coming up on 700 episodes of North Fulton Business Radio, and we've only gotten this far because of you, uh, how you supported us over the past seven plus years. And I'm grateful to you and continue to do what you've always done, which is share the show. Uh, if you've heard something here that makes you think, Hey, I know somebody that needs help with their presentations or what have you, uh, share the show or any of our other shows, because that's how we celebrate the great work of business leaders like David and the other, you know, some, I think 12, 1300 guests that we've had over the years. So if you can help us help them in that regard, I'd be grateful. So for my guest, David Dorier, I'm John Ray. Join join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.